but I uh, would like to uh, share a thought with you here. This is, uh, you see the backdrop here. You ever seen this backdrop before? Perfect peace in troubled times. Now I've preached part one of this message on December the 27th and the 28th of 2014. And this evening I'm going to preach part two. Okay? Have you noticed in our world in which we live any troubled times? I think we live in somewhat troubled times. And I'd like to share a few thoughts that I believe will benefit us all. <clears throat> so I want to continue part two on perfect peace in troubled times. In March 1863, a 17-year-old native of Cambridge, Massachusetts, he slipped away from his home on Brattle Street, hopped aboard a train, and headed for Washington, D.C. to join Mr. Lincoln's army. He was by no means the first or the last youth that simply couldn't stay home while so many of his peers were off participating in the great adventure of the Civil War. But he may have been the most prominent runaway from Boston and possibly New England that year. His name was Charles Appleton Longfellow, and his father was the great poet and literary scholar Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. You heard of him? Charles Appleton Longfellow was the eldest son of H.W.L., as he referred to his father, and Fanny Elizabeth Appleton. He was born in Cambridge on June the 9th, 1844, and was raised in a loving family, which consisted beside his parents of three sisters and a brother. Charlie was bright and adventurous, and although he became a crack shot with a rifle, he managed to shoot off his left thumb with a shotgun. This eventually kept him out of the infantry when he sought to join the Union Army. His uh, mock-up adventure worried his parents, and particularly his father. Mrs. Longfellow had died in a tragic fire in their home in 1860, and so Henry, as a single parent, was doubly responsible for his son, who had disappeared into the great sea of blue, which was the Un Union Army. Soon, however, the mystery was solved. On arrival in Washington, Charlie had gone to Captain W.H. McCartney, commanding Battery A of the 1st Massachusetts Artillery, and asked to enlist. He couldn't enlist in the infantry, remember? But he, he's pursuing artillery. Captain uh, McCartney, who knew the boy, did not want to enlist this young man without his parents' approval, so he immediately wrote Henry Wadsworth Longfellow asking his advice. To his credit, or perhaps knowing the son's personality, H.W.L. gave permission for Charlie to enlist, so the only member of the poet's family to go to war became a private in the 1st Massachusetts Artillery. Charles Longfellow turned out to be a natural soldier. He grasped the element of drill, camp, and military life with an amazing aptitude. He became a great favorite with his fellow artillerymen and showed decided leadership skills, 
which commended him to his superior officers. In the meantime, his father, thinking that his son might do better as an officer rather than a rough-hewn enlisted man, began to contact friends, such as Senator Charles Summer, Governor John Andrew, and Dr. Edward B. Dalton, medical inspector of the 6th Army Corps, with a view to obtaining a commission for his son. As he started to engage in this process of string pulling, Mr. Longfellow was surprised to hear that all his movements were unnecessary on his, because his son, on his own merits, Charlie, was offered a commission as a second lieutenant in the 1st Massachusetts Cavalry, and he had accepted. He was commissioned on March the 27th, 1863. Charlie entered on his new duties with enthusiasm and was assigned to Company G of the 1st Massachusetts. His first action came on the fringes of the Battle of uh, Chancellorville in early June. Charlie came down with typhoid fever and malaria and was invalided home to recover. After recuperating, Charlie joined his unit on August the 15th, 1863. Having missed the Battle of Gettysburg, in mid-September, he was in a fight at Culpeper where Quartermaster Sergeant Reed, who was standing next to Charlie, had his leg taken off by an artillery round. On November the 27th, as part of the Mine Run campaign, while in a skirmish during the Battle of New Hope Church, Virginia, Charlie was shot through the left shoulder. The bullet traveled across his back, nicked his spine, and exited under his right shoulder. He missed being paralyzed by less than an inch. He was carried into the church and then by ambulance to Rapidan River on December the 1st, 1863. Word was received at the Longfellow home in Cambridge of Charles' serious injury. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and his younger son, Ernest, left at once for Washington, D.C., where they finally met up with Charlie and brought him home. They reached Cambridge on December the 8th, and Charles Appleton Longfellow began the slow process of recovering. As he sat nursing his son and giving thanks for his survival, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow penned the following poem. It goes like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. He penned this as he saw his son laying there recuperating from wounds. Of peace on earth, good will to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, good will to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime, a peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, 
And with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, good will to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, good will to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, good will to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep, the wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will to men. You ever heard that song? You probably didn't know where it came from or the details that led up to it. And as a father lay there nursing his son back to health, there seemed to be no peace on earth, no goodwill toward men. Let me read a verse here in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, where we kind of get that sentence from. In the King James Bible, it says, Luke 2, 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, in the New Living Translation, it says it actually more accurately. It says, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. There's a difference there than just peace on earth, goodwill toward all men. He says here, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That's what the Bible says. Let me read to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Hmm. In over 3,100 years of recorded world history, now, I got this information, I was looking through my files, I found this document back in 1995. So there's a few more years added to this, okay? But as of 1995, in over 3,100 years of recorded world history, the world has only been at peace 8% of the time for a total of 286 years. You know, in the 3,100 years of recorded history, there had only been 286 years of peace on the earth as far as history had documented. And 8,000 treaties, as of 1995, I'm sure it's more than that now, but 8,000 treaties have been made and broken. Even now, as you and I look at the news, it seems that we're heading toward war. Maybe already in it, you know. Our world has lacked peace. It really has lacked peace. Since the very beginning, when sin entered into the picture with Adam and Eve and with Cain and Abel, there has been no peace that we talk about peace on earth. Politicians are looking to create peace on earth. It is an illusion, and it will never happen. 
based upon what God's word says. They're looking for an external peace to where I'm not going to bother you and you're not going to bother me. But that's not the kind of peace that the Bible talks about. He says that there's going to be people in each household that turn against each other. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? He says that's in the, in the latter days. That's, that's going to happen. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 78, this is here still in that great, grand, awesome Christmas story. He says, because of God's tender mercy, the light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Now, don't misunderstand me what I said. There is peace available, and peace shall reign and rule and, and, and move and magnify and, and, and multiply, but not the way secular mindsets think it will. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Christ will come. Have you ever had anything stolen from you? Just raise your hand. That's terrible, isn't it? You feel so violated. Somebody takes something from you, whether they break into your home or your car or however it is. It is not a pleasant thing. It caught you by surprise, probably, and it doesn't make you feel too well because you weren't prepared for it. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. When Christ returns, it's going to be like a thief in the night. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and everything in them will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment. Since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives you should be living. We should be living holy and godly, because this day of judgment is coming. God is merciful. His grace abounds, and it is amazing for those who have received it, see. But he says, in light of this judgment that's coming, you know, what holy, godly lives we should be living. You should look forward to that day and hurry it along. The day when God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away into flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world where everyone is what? Is right with God. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, and they will happen, make every effort to live a pure and a blameless life and be at peace with God. The peace that the Bible talks about is having peace with God. Because, see, we were rebels. We had sinned and we had fallen away. And God, through what he did with his son, sending his son here, we just celebrated his coming, has enabled us to have peace with God. No longer hostile toward each other. But there's been peace that is made with us and God. And he says here, make every effort, while we're waiting for these end times to reach their fullness, make every effort to live a pure and a blameless life and be at peace with God. That's a great thought. Be at peace with God. But how? How can we be at peace with God? He tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. 
Abraham never wavered believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. My question to you is, does your faith grow stronger during troubled times, or does your faith grow weaker? See, Abraham, the more difficult things happened, as he knew the promise that God had made him, the more difficult it came, the stronger his faith became. Abraham had peace because of his faith in Almighty God and what God had promised. He knew God, you see, not just about him, but he knew him. And it says here, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything he had promised. Are we? Are we convinced that God is able to do anything and everything that he's promised to us? He says here in verse 22, And because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteous. Righteous. The word righteous means to be in right standing with him. Because of Abraham's faith. And righteousness always produces the ability to stand in the presence of a pure and a holy God as if sin never existed. Righteousness. Christ has made us the righteousness of God. It's something that Jesus did for us. And it's by our faith in him that allows us to enter into that righteousness. And he says here in verse 23, Now this wonderful truth that God declared him to be righteous wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was for us too. All right. Assuring us that God will also declare us to be righteous. All right with him. If we, what? If we believe in God. If we believe in God, he declares us right with him as well. He says, if we believe in God, who brought Jesus our Lord back from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. Hmm. Think about that. See, it, it, it's, it's hard to understand some of this sometimes. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. What we did affected him. Does what you do ever affect somebody else? It really does. But it says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. And he's already said it twice in this verse. The key to access this righteousness to be right with God. And that's where the peace comes in, is faith. To believe everything that God has said and everything that God has promised. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, we've just got through celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus coming to this world. But let's see the whole picture here. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised. Just talking about Jesus, the, 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 the Creator the Son of God, the Savior of the world, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our back on him. We saw him come. We saw him taking him to the cross. We saw him beating him. And it says we turned our backs on him and we looked the other way when he went by. He was despised and we did not care. 
and there are people who don't care even today. I mean, we can celebrate the birth of Christ, but I venture to say they've probably not thought about Jesus in the whole season. It's all about something else. And it says, He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down and, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sin. Well, Jesus was beaten going to the cross. Man, he must have been really bad. Oh, he looked really good, but behind the scenes, he probably did something really, really bad. But even God the Father has turned his back on him. And it says, we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. In verse 5 it says, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. Jesus, if you've ever watched the movie The Passion of Christ, it is a very biblically accurate portrayal of what happened to Jesus in that beating. And it says, he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. Everything that Jesus went through, Jesus was on a secret mission, a covert operation, stealth. He snuck in behind enemy lines. He came and destroyed the powers of darkness. He turned on a light that could not be extinguished. That light is continuing to shine brighter and brighter and brighter every day. And there are people who are enlisting to follow him day by day by day. And there is a real battle going on, even as we speak right now. A battle to steal the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, from the focus of Christ. To go through life miserable and with no peace. And he says here, verse 4, it says, It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down when he was going to that cross. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. You want peace? It's been paid for. You can have peace. Christ already paid for it. When he took those horrible beatings on the, you know, before he went to the cross and the horrible stuff he went through on the cross... He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us. There's no exceptions to this. All of us have strayed away like sheep. And we've left God's path to follow our own. Does that describe you? Have you ever kind of left and, and did your own thing? It's talking to us. What was it tell us here in Proverbs 14, 12? So there's, a way, there's a way that seems right, isn't it? There's a way, well, that's, that seems right. It says, but it ends in death. You know, to follow our own path, and he says all of us have strayed away like sheep, and we've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on, not us, but laid on him, Jesus, the guilt and the sins of us all. I mean, this is absolutely amazing for me and you to have peace and forgiveness and mercy and grace. All, all that we had ever done wrong, the... The, the guilt of it all was laid on Jesus and he was really carrying a heavy load when he went to the cross because he was carrying all the stuff that you and I would do. 
he carried it for you and he carried it for me and he went and he took those beatings he paid Jesus paid so you can have peace now I'm telling you access the peace that's been provided enter the peace that's been provided if he has provided you like a hundred acres of land and a three-story log cabin on a lake and all and you're over there it's like move into the thing if he's already paid for you does that make sense peace is more valuable than that and he paid for it with the whippings and the beatings that he took for you Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says therefore since we have been made right in God's sight by what therefore since we have been made right in God's sight by faith belief in that what he said was true by faith it says we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us we have peace with God and see once you have peace with God now you can have the peace of God and it's different being right and, and having peace with God things have been patched up between us because of what Jesus has done then I can have the peace of God peace perfect peace even in troubled times the troubled times cannot rattle our cage because there is a gift of peace that God wants us to enter into it takes faith it takes drawing out your sword and your shield and fighting back some dark shadows and demons and devils that don't want you to have the peace of God because it's a tremendous advertisement of what Christ has come to do you see and the devil would try to steal that from us D.L. Moody said a great many people are trying to make peace but that's already been done God has not left it for us to do all we have to do is enter into it it's like somebody said hey got you a Christmas present it's out here cost me $75,000 for this awesome truck for you here's the keys the title the insurance paid is all in your name and then if you go and walk home what does that say you don't believe it you're not experiencing the joy and the awesomeness and the privilege that's been paid for you you see you don't believe it and I'm telling you that peace has been provided for each and every one of you and we need to access it we need to move into it by faith that's what he tells us enter into it Jesus he is our great peace maker there's people who try to make peace they try to make peace amongst nations amongst families and they fail but Jesus is the great peacemaker Jesus is the great the prince of what the Bible says he is the Prince of Peace our trouble is is that we want the peace but we don't want the Prince the Prince is a ruler over us you see who would lead us and guide us and we would surrender to but sometimes folks want the the peace but they don't want the Prince it says in 1st Corinthians 14 33 it says for God is not the author of confusion and disorder how many of y'all like confusion and chaos and disorder Do you know where all that comes from 
It ain't from God. He says that God is not the author of confusion, but of what? God is the author of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace has been purchased for you to enter into it, but it takes faith. And, and it takes the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit to fight your way into the peace that's been purchased at great expense by the life and the beatings that took place upon Jesus. It's been paid for. The devil will lie to you and try to get you to live in chaos and confusion for the rest of your life when the Prince of Peace welcomes you. Find out the inheritance that you have. See, if life is a puzzle, we need to look to Jesus for the missing piece. You know, we, we've done that on our vacation a time or two. We all go off somewhere, had a cabin or something, and put puzzles together. I don't know how many times it has happened. And there's one piece missing out of a puzzle. How frustrating is that? And then what do we, we found it somewhere in a drawer in another room. It wasn't us who did it. It was just like, how in the world? But I was glad we found the peace made things complete. And I'm telling you, Jesus is the missing piece that so many people are missing. One thing alone can bring the joy that we so desperately long for as we live right here on this earth. And we need to have peace within. See, when we, when we have peace with God, then we can have peace within. Our thoughts and all the wrestling and the war that goes on in our mind. When we have peace within, then our hearts no longer know the guilt and the shame of our past. God forgives us and it transforms us from the inside out. In 1 John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. Where? Jesus is talking to the Prince of Peace. He said, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you will have one or two trials. Many trials and sorrows, but take heart. That means be courageous. That's what it's saying. Take heart because I've overcome the world. You have peace in me as we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. He says, you have peace in me. Therefore, be courageous during troubled times, during difficult times. Do you think we're going to have any troubled times ahead of us? Yes, we will. But enter into the peace that's been purchased for you. Jesus says, you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you're going to have a lot of trials and sorrows, many of them. But take heart. In me, you have peace. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And if you're in me, you're an overcomer too. And see, you've got to understand something, folks. This is where our old secular world and our politicians miss it by a zillion, trillion, octillion miles. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Not what the Bible talks about, but peace is the presence of God. It is not the absence of trouble. 
You can have peace in the midst of horrible troubles that's going on around about you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, it says, May the Lord of peace himself always give you, what? 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, his peace. May the Lord of peace, you are probably not reading that, are you? May the Lord of peace, well then read it out loud with me. May the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace no matter what happens. That's right. No matter what happens, though, the Lord of peace himself will always give you his peace no matter what happens. I'm going to tell you something, folks. The peace that we're talking about here in troubled times was purchased at an extremely high price. Watch the passion of Christ. And it says he took the beatings so you could have peace. That's what he said. A wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. Jesus took it, he purchased it, and he says we enter into it by believing him, by taking him at his word. you got to use that shield of faith to throw off some doubts and some confusion that tries to rise up. you got to pull out your sword, you know. You got your sword with you? It's little, but it's sharp. Pull out your sword of the Spirit. You believe God no matter what. You got that huge truck out there. It's been paid for. It's got your name. You got insurance on it. Go get in the thing and drive it. Enter into the peace that Almighty God has made for you. Even if there's troubled times, it's going to come upon us. Herman Lang, facing execution, wrote from his prison cell, in Hamburg on July the 11th, 1943, he said, Personally, I am perfectly calm. Facing steadfastly what is to come, and it was an execution, when one has really achieved complete surrender to the will of God, there is a marvelous feeling of peace and sense of absolute security. The gift we receive is so unimaginably great that all human joys pale beside it. He was a believer who was being executed for his faith. And he had an awesome peace that nobody could take away from him, that passed all understanding. In John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, I am leaving you. Jesus is talking. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. Now, what kind of peace does the world give? Drink this, and you'll have peace. Smoke this, and you'll have peace. Pop these pills, and you'll have peace. Get a couple of extra relationships going on on the side, and you'll have peace. How long does that kind of a peace last? It's very temporary, is it not? There's nothing lasting to it. There's confusion and chaos and disorder that goes there. And Jesus says in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Although there's difficulties that lay ahead of us, this peace will sustain us. See, 
The world's peace based, is based upon what happens, and it's extremely temporary. See, peace that God gives, it's a peace is spiritual, and it's inward. It doesn't hinge on conditions that are going on around about us, but it comes through a re restored relationship with Almighty God and believing that He paid for my sins and, and, off, and He's made provisions for me. And, and, and an awesome inheritance lays before us and He'll lead us and guide us in the best pathway for our life. And He says that He's purchased peace for the whole journey. And He says here, He says, don't be troubled, don't be afraid. Be courageous, he's telling us again. See, peace with God will bring about the peace of God. And that is transforming. See, Christ, when he is received as Savior, he brings us peace with God. But when Christ is received as Lord, he brings us the peace of God. Do you, you know what the difference between receiving Christ as your Savior and receiving Christ as your Lord. See, Savior, he rescued you. He pulled you aboard, you know. You're no longer drowning. When you receive him as your Lord, everything's okay. You're not floundering anymore, and you slow down and you stop and you go, hey, I love you, and I yield to you the rest of my life, all that I am and ever hope to be. You are Lord, Master, in absolute control of my life. When you receive him as Lord, that's where the peace of God comes in, that nothing can shake. When you receive him as Savior, you have peace with God. But when you receive him as Lord, you have the peace of God that permeates all that you are. Jill Briscoe, she said one time, said, I remember talking to this girl in her church two or three years ago, she said, and, and she said, this girl came and says, Jill, I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace, and I, I want it back. Jill said, well, where did you lose it? Well, that has nothing to do with this, she replied. Just help me get my peace and my joy back. But where did you lose it? I don't want to talk about that. But eventually, she did talk about it. She lost it when she moved in with her boyfriend. See, that'll do it. There needs to be on all of our parts, all of us, a repentance when we sin. And a repentance just means to, to do an about face and go in another direction. Ask God to forgive us, and he surely will forgive us. But we lose our peace and our joy when we, we do our own will instead of doing the will of God. And, and you cannot find it until we say, God, please forgive me, I've sinned. And, and, and we receive his forgiveness, and we doing about face we repent we change our direction you see and it comes back to us you know full Colossians 3:15 says and let everybody say let and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts what does let mean allow it's just like hell would you allow me to give you an $85,000 truck? Actually, I'm putting you bells in. It's a $100,000 truck now. Would you allow me to give you one? A few of you would. Well, I don't have one. 
If I had a bunch of them, I'd give it to you, okay? But he says here, let the peace that comes from Christ, that's the peace of God, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. It means let the peace of, that comes from Christ, let it arbitrate, let it govern, let it be the, um, uh, the umpire of all the details of your life. Let the peace of God that was paid for at a high price, let it rule. Let it control you. It will not do anything to hurt you, only to advance you, to strengthen you, and to bless you. And he says, let it. There's only one person who can stop the peace of God from ruling in your life. And, and, and you live with that person. And I ain't talking about your spouse, you know. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. The peace of God will rule your heart if you let it or if you allow it to. We got to go, no, I'm not going your way. I'm kind of going my way. There's no peace there. Well, that's the way I'm going. See. Peace rules the day when Christ rules the heart. You, you've, you've probably heard this before but the, the the two letters n o what's that spell okay that's no god n o no peace you got that no god ruling in your life no peace okay here's another one k n o w what's that spell no no God, K-N-O-W, no peace. You see that? No God, no peace. No God, no peace. And that's the way it comes, and that's where it comes from, and it's available to us all. Now, as we kind of wind some things down here, Romans chapter 1, verse 6 says, You are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ, to belong to him. Dear friends in Rome, God loves you dearly, and he has called you to be his very own people. May grace and peace be yours. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are sisters. You, 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 they come together. You embrace God's grace, his unmerited favor, his enabling power and, and peace comes with grace and if you want more grace embrace more truth and anytime grace comes grace comes and brings more peace if you want to you know and understand that peace is not some kind of a gambling deal it's not just well you know it's like a it's like chance you know you ended up with a lot of peace I just didn't get no peace you know kind of like winning a lottery or something that's not the way peace comes peace is available to us all it's based upon a definite fact that's found in this book here. And God all has all of his facts out there for us. If we'll read them and we'll study them, you know. But you've got to access it and then enter it. Here's one way to know if you have peace. Would you like to know if you really have peace? Here's the way to know if you have peace. It's like when you find yourself in unpeaceable settings you know here's it here, here it is 
talked about last week. If you find yourself in unpeaceful situations, there's rivers and raging storms and troubles and all. Can you sing? Can you complain? Oh, heck yeah, I can complain. I can complain and cuss and fuss. And... That's not what I was asking. In the most difficult of times that are so unpeaceful, can you sing? That's the test if you've accessed peace or not. Because if you've not accessed peace, you cannot sing, but you can moan and groan and bellyache with the best of them. But in the unpeaceful times, if you can sing, you have entered into peace. It's for you. Here, here, here's one final scripture. You know it, but I got to read it because it's so important for us to have it as we launch into this new year. It's Philippians 4, 6. It says, number one, don't worry about anything. Are we inclined to worry? The unknown. What? Lays ahead. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And if you don't pray, worry, okay? That's some good advice. If you're not going to pray about things, worry. But he says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all he's done. That's four things. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. And if you do this... You will experience what? God's peace. It's a choice. And you, you're going to make this choice one way or the other. You're going to do it or not do it. If you'll do this, if you will do this, and what was that? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank Him for all He has done. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. You cannot explain it. Imagine if you could go back in time to primitive man when they were just sitting around gnawing on bones and stuff, okay? And explain to them what an escalator is. Well, an escalator is like steps made out of metal, you know, inside the mall. And you get on it, and it takes you up to the top. Huh? They could not understand it, but if you could take them to an escalator and go, hey, hop on here, and like, whoo-hoo, I want one of these on my mountain, you know, it's like. But there's some things that are better experienced than they are to explain it, and I can try to explain to you the peace, but it says he passes human understanding. He says, if you'll do this, the four things we just talked about, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and then thank Him for all He's done. If you'll do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. I don't understand it, but it's awesome. It's wonderful. You ought to try it. I can't explain it. Come here. But you can experience it, you see. And he says his peace, this is important, folks. I mean, you don't know how important this is. He says his peace will do what? Guard. You know what I'm talking about? He's got big pieces. He's got a big sword and a big shield, you know. He says, he will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We're talking about 
We're, we're talking about uh, law enforcement. We're talking about military who are standing guards. Like, who are you trying to get in here? No, you're not allowed. Out. You are unauthorized. Get out of here. That's what a guard will do, right? And he says here, if you do this, the this was, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. If you'll do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And his peace, peace, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing. As I close this letter, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy, and that's all right here. You think on those things, and it'll fix your thoughts, I'll tell you that. But you need to have your thoughts fixed like the steeple is fixed on this old building here, you know. You need to have your thoughts fixed on God's Word, and you will maintain the peace of Almighty God. And ain't no bad circumstances. Whatever troubles that it comes this year, it will not shake you. And he says, fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right. And think about these things that are pure and lovely and admirable. And think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Psalms 119, 165 says, those, those who love your law have great peace. You love God's word? You fix your thoughts? It says, they have great peace and they do not stumble. The people who love God's word, you're not going to stumble because you've got great peace. And we haven't even touched, we haven't even barely even touched what peace will do for you. It's so much more than what we're talking about here. Peace is so much more than that. But we've got to enter into it first off. And then the last verse I think I'm going to look at is Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep, you will keep, Where? In perfect peace, all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. God's going to keep us in perfect peace. And you know, this picture has got a little bird right there, you know, in its nest. We had this up last Christmas time. There's a little bird right there. It's just all snuggled up in his little nest. Waterfalls coming down, winds and mist and spray. Sometimes the waterfall gets bigger when it rains and all that. That little bird's just nice and calm. That's peace. See, peace is when everything around you is raging and stormy. And you just have this. It's not based on your surroundings, see. And the peace that we're talking about is available to you. Well, I'd like us to end with a song here, if we could. And, and just let God minister to you through this song. Understanding in the world, the Bible says there's going to be many troubles and sorrows. That's just the way, that's just life. But he says, hey, in me, you got peace, man. The past is understanding. And peace is a guard for your heart and your mind, you know. Peace is something awesome, a lot more awesome than you think. Peace is a warrior. Let's listen to this together, he says.
You know there are troubles and storms that await us all. But I want you to understand something. Peace guards you. Peace that passes understanding. Other people are going like, how in the world can you go through that? It's just like you've got some kind of special powers or something. It's because you do. It's Christ. Because you're in Christ. In his peace. And his peace guards you and protects you. Enables you. It's amazing. The storms and the troubles that are yet ahead of us. God has equipped us to endure them, to survive them, even better yet, to thrive in the midst of them. I know our time has gotten away from us here. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. It, it opens us up and it causes us to see, and we want to understand your peace. We want to understand you and get to know you better, to know you in the power of your resurrection we want to know that in this coming year. Lord, as we're coming to the place of closing 2015 and opening up in front of us 2016, Lord, we choose to let, we choose to allow your peace to rule, to govern, to umpire all the details of our heart and our life. We choose, almighty God, to, to live in the middle of your will. We choose to allow peace to guard our hearts and our minds. We make a choice not to allow chaos and confusion to control us, but we choose to allow your peace that passes all understanding to keep our hearts and our minds. We choose not to worry, but we choose to talk to you and tell you what we need. And we, we choose to thank you for all the things that you've ever done. Lord, just like your word says, bless these men, bless these women who are in here, and may we become an encouragement to those that you bring across our path. May we look at storms and troubles as a person looks at those huge waves when they got a surfboard. Help us to look and see that we'll overcome because Christ has overcome. May we walk in victory this coming year, Almighty God. Deliver us from doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. But may we be faith-filled men and women. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me as we just renew our commitment to Christ. Renew our faith in Him as we close this year and launch into a new one. And if you know Christ, would you reaffirm it, your faith with us? And if you don't know Him, would you let Jesus move into your life right now as we start into a brand spanking new year? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you have a plan for my life. That's why you sent Jesus. I believe that Jesus died in my place. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. And I surrender my all, my past, 
my present and my future to him. I am so sorry for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. And I do believe amidst the storms and amidst the troubles ahead, I do believe the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I know you, uh, you're going to leave in a, a, a moment here. And Sorry, I took a couple extra minutes. Okay, I took 15 extra minutes. All right, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Uh, but I, I challenge you, you know, if you prayed with us just now, welcome Christ into your life for the first time, Stop at the Connections desk on the way out. we got a little gift for you, a movie to watch. It's free, a Bible, and some other little goodies I believe would inspire you. Please pick those up on your way out. If you're a guest, we want to give you another little gift. You know, just our way of saying thank you for coming. We hope you come back. And if you did not receive your Christmas present, which is an awesome mug, a redneck mug, you know, if you didn't get it, stop at the back at the uh, Connections desk and tell them, hey, I wasn't here. I missed out on it. I want to get my Christmas gift awesome mug you know you 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 don't want to miss out on that and uh let's see if you need some prayer we got some folks who will be around the altar up here who would love to pray with you and the god who we serve he still answers prayer he surely does so please take advantage of that and oh yes the connections card the connection card simply says i am determined that peace will rule my life by daily surrendering my all to jesus in 2016 so if you agree to that, small thing to do, right? It's life-changing. Just check it off, drop it in the tithe box there with us. And uh, on your way out, would you greet somebody, get to know somebody you haven't seen in a while, get to know somebody you've never met before? God bless you. You are dismissed.